Welcome, everyone. Thank you again for joining us. And it's always a pleasure for me to hear our audience and guests in great conversation and enjoying one another's company in the course of our events. Uh, so good afternoon, everyone. Welcome again. And now please join me in welcoming our television and webcast viewers. Again, my name is Danny Asaf, and I have the pleasure of serving as the president of the Canadian Club of Toronto for this season. And I thank you again for joining us today, and uh, it's an honor for me to be your host. The Canadian Club is proud of its long tradition of providing a forum for leaders from all spheres of society to share their ideas with you. We are led by a volunteer board of directors, and we're dedicated to providing an open and welcoming platform for insightful and diverse perspectives on the matters of the day that impact our lives. We take pride in our programs and activities, including our youth and young leaders programs, our diversity partnerships, media and social opportunities to offer you access to dynamic political, social, business figures from both here and abroad on our podium. And before I uh, intro formally introduce our today's guest speaker, I would like to, indulge, if you would indulge me and allow me to tell you a little bit about of, of our, a couple of our upcoming events. On December 7th, the club will be presenting a financial industry experts panel to provide context on how new technologies and business models are transforming the financial services industry. And to kick off the new year, we will also present our 39th annual Outlook Luncheon, the GTA's best political and economic forecasting event on January 6th of the new year. To find out more about our upcoming events and to order tickets, please visit us at www.canadianclub.org. And I also want to invite our live audience to join the conversation via Twitter and Instagram uh, by following us at CDNCLBTO. Uh, in addition, I would like to recognize our uh, generous sponsors today with whom this event wouldn't be possible, and that would be RBC Capital Markets, Scotiabank, and Union Gas. Thank you for being here, and thank you for your support. Our energy system is, of course, very large and complex. And there are very few pillars of productivity and of social benefit that are of immediate impact on our lives. Whether energy will power our plants, whether it will light up our homes, or whether we're going to have the opportunity for our kids to plug in all those electric vehicles that they're going to buy, it is a, it is a sphere that will shape our lives directly today and into the future. And balancing those implicit demands in, those industry, in this industry is something that is a challenge and requires leadership and a plan. And achieving this balance is also the name of Ontario's long-term energy plan. In it, you'll find a blueprint for delivering sustainable energy for the future of our province. And today's guest speaker is responsible for turning that plan, which was originally released in December 2013, into a reality for all of us. And today's announcement, which he's going to discuss, is an aspect of that. The Honourable Minister Bob Shirelli 
brings deep political and ministerial experience to the task at hand. He was first elected to the Ontario Legislature in 1987 as the MPP for Ottawa West, and he was subsequently re-elected in both 1990 and 1995. Minister Shirelli then took a break from provincial politics to provide local and regional leadership in Ottawa. He served as the regional chair of the Ottawa Carleton, of, uh, regional chair of Ottawa Carleton, and was later elected as the first mayor of the amalgamated city of Ottawa. No small task. In these roles, he championed the expansion of other areas of infrastructure, including public transport, transit, new recreational and healthcare infrastructure, and also oversaw fiscal responsibility. He was on the board of Ontario Hydro from 2000 to 2006. And from 2007 until 2010, he was also he was a director for the independent electricity system operator. He certainly does know a thing or two about energy. During his break from politics, he also served as vice chair of the Royal Ottawa Foundation for Mental Health. Another role he held was that of senior fellow in the Graduate School of Public, Inter Public and International Affairs at the University of Ottawa. The Ottawa native returned to Queen's Park as MPP for Ottawa West Nepean in 2010. Besides his current role, which he has held since February 2013, he has served as also Minister of Infrastructure and Minister of Infrastructure and Transportation. He was also responsible for implementing Ontario's first 10-year infrastructure plan, Building Together, and also this part, which I enjoy as a lawyer to say, he was also a lawyer for 18 years. So... Proud to say that one of us has done good, and he will be here today to tell us about what we're all waiting to hear, Ontario's long-term energy plan. Minister Shirelli, it's my pleasure to turn our podium over to you. Thank you. Thank you very much for that uh, lengthy introduction. Uh, it reminds me how old I am. So, uh, <clears throat> uh, and thank you all for joining us here today. It's really a pleasure to see so many people here uh, and so many people interested in something that's so strategically important for the province of Ontario. But I'd like to begin by recognizing some of the outstanding leaders who are with us here in the room today, starting with the uh, Ministry of Energy Deputy Minister, Serge Imbrogno. Um, my parliamentary assistant, Bob Delaney, who's the MPP for Mississauga Streetsville. Uh, Eleanor McMahon, MPP from Burlington. Catherine McGarry, MPP from Cambridge. Uh, two really strong nuclear supporters, by the way. Don McKinnon, president of PWU. Uh, Scott Travers, the Society of Energy Professionals. John Barrett, CNA president, very, very important person in the world of nuclear in Ontario. Uh, Jeff Lyash, who's the new CEO of OPG, is with us here today, uh, working uh, diligently on the Darlington side of the nuclear, which will happen very soon. Uh, and Bruce Campbell, uh, CEO of IESO. And I want to say that, incidentally, I came here, rushed here directly from question period at Queen's Park. So uh, if any of you want to heckle me or shout at me, I'm ready. So. <laughs> Uh, and it's good to be with a nuclear group again because, uh, oh, six or eight weeks ago, uh, uh, I was able to attend a function of uh, WANO, which is a World Association of Nuclear Operators, and they had a preliminary reception or early reception at the Hockey Hall of Fame. 
and of course I'm a big hockey fan. Um, and uh, I was engaging people socially there. There were a number of Leaf fans there, and I couldn't understand why they were so happy to be there. So I asked one of them, why are you so happy to be here at the Hockey Hall of Fame? They said, well, this is the only place we'll ever get to see or touch the Stanley Cup. So, <laughs> boo. <laughs> I happen to be a sense man. But, um, it's a particular privilege uh, to have this opportunity to highlight an important announcement we made this morning about the future of Ontario's energy and electricity system and its role in sustaining jobs and economic growth. But first, I want to thank the Canadian Club for your leadership in fostering public discourse and, and enabling people to come here uh, and share their ideas. It's, it's tremendous community leadership. Uh, and thank you for making this podium available for me here today for this announcement. Earlier today, Ontario reaffirmed its commitment to clean, reliable, and affordable nuclear power. This morning, we were proud to announce that Ontario has finalized an agreement with Bruce Power to allow the nuclear operator to proceed with refurbishment of six units on the Tiverton-based generating site. And before I go any further, I just want to congratulate and thank the negotiating teams from IESO and Bruce Power. It was a process over two years uh, there were some difficult moments, uh, very, very serious issues, uh, large amounts and uh, significant public interest involved in it. Uh, they were professional. They were tough. At the end of the day, uh, they put together an agreement that really is uh, superb. Let's hear from you. And as global attention has turned towards talks in Paris, on reducing greenhouse gas emissions and fighting climate change, we are committing to a future built on the foundation of Ontario's single largest source of emissions-free electricity. So as we recognize the link between economic prosperity and environmental responsibility, our government is committing to domestic energy, local jobs, and investment in one of our most export-ready clean tech industries. And as our economy continues to expand and grow, and as innovations in electric cars and electrified regional public transit mean we are ever more dependent on the stability of our energy system, we are committing to a cost-effective, clean, robust power generation supply. With today's announcement of a renewed agreement with Bruce Power, we are committing to a strong future for nuclear energy in Ontario. But before I outline the incredible impact the new agreement will have on our province's economy, I want to take a moment to reflect on the important place that nuclear power has in Ontario's electricity supply. Ontario has always been a leading player in the nuclear age. The former Hydro Ontario Hydro was involved in the early development, design and construction of can-do technologies, with the first commercial power station coming online at Douglas Point in 1965. That's 50 years of clean power with an unblemished record of safety in operations and delivery, one of the best, if not the best, in the world. And over the following decades, our presence in the nuclear industry grew, with three generating sites coming to form the bedrock of our power supply. Today, nuclear power represents more than 60% of Ontario's supply, making it the backbone of Ontario's 98% emission-free system and the key player in our clean energy economy. But it's important, as we discuss today's important milestone, to take a moment 
and reflect on the context of our broader electricity supply situation and understand the full value added by nuclear, nuclear energy in Ontario. In April 2014, Ontario became the first jurisdiction in North America to fully eliminate coal-fired generation from our energy supply. And by the way, we're proud to recognize that just last week, the government passed new legislation making it illegal for any future government to burn coal to generate electricity, cementing a future of cleaner air and healthier citizens. But what's monumental about this shift is that just a decade ago, coal represented more than 25% of our requirements and carried the incredible price tag of $4.4 billion each year in health and environmental cost damages. And the people of Ontario can be proud that closing our coal plants remain the single largest climate change initiative undertaken in North America and has the equivalent impact of removing 7 million cars from Ontario's roads. Getting rid of coal led to a significant reduction in harmful emissions, but it also meant that sources of power like nuclear have an even more important role to play in meeting Ontario's electricity needs, particularly in ensuring the reliability and affordability of our supply, clean supply. As you may know, over the next 15 years, Ontario's nuclear fleet at both Darlington and Bruce will see a number of units reaching the end of their life cycle and in need of refurbishment. Rebuilding our reactive reactors will mean thousands of megawatts of cost-effective, clean, baseload energy and thousands of jobs and opportunities for Ontario workers and businesses. The amended Bruce Power Refurbishment Implementation Agreement, as it's called, will provide a long-term contract for the whole Bruce facility with the refurbishment of the next unit beginning in 2020. In negotiations with Bruce, we were able to optimize the nuclear refurbishment schedule to maximize the life of existing units. So we slightly adjusted the scheduling. And that was happening before we shut down the nuclear units. And as part of this revised timeline, refurbishment at Bruce will now be pushed back from 2016 until 2020. This will mean that Ontario gets the most out of our existing infrastructure while also ensuring the best value for electricity consumers today and into the future. This revised schedule means significant benefits for the forecast monthly bill of families and businesses across the province. But perhaps most significantly, the agreement has achieved $1.7 billion in savings for the electricity system when compared to the forecast in our 2013 long-term energy plan. This means the average household will pay $66 per year less on their monthly bill over the next 10 years. And significantly, in order to protect Ontario's electricity consumers from additional costs, we've required Bruce Power to take full risk of project overruns and operations and will be required to invest over $13 billion of private capital in the refurbishment process. These achievements represent meaningful savings and protections for ratepayers and establish a strong improvement over the original contract at the Bruce site. And throughout the refurbishment process, Bruce Power will be subject to strict oversight to ensure we build on our historic record of safety in operations and continue to achieve the best value for Ontario electricity consumers. This includes entrenching appropriate and realistic off-ramps 
as the project milestones are completed, meaning that after each reactor project is finished, the government will take a hard look at the job that was completed, whether expectations were fulfilled, and make a a determination whether to proceed further. In other words, it will be essential for Bruce Power to be on time and on budget if they wish to proceed with the additional scheduled refurbishments. That's not unlike what might be happening at Darlington, so Jeff, be aware of it. (laughs) This means that we have enshrined protections for Ontario electricity consumers as a first priority. Over the past 10 years, nuclear power has become the solid foundation of Ontario's clean energy system. But nuclear doesn't just power our economy, it drives it forward as well. While many in the province may not be aware, Ontario has a globally recognized nuclear technology industry that is healthy, dynamic, and diverse. And the economic impact of investment in nuclear goes far beyond Bruce County alone. It will be felt in communities across the province. From big cities to small towns, from Ottawa through to the GTA, to southwestern Ontario, every part of the province indeed, nuclear power is playing an important role in the economy of today and tomorrow, and that has tremendous impact on positive quality of life. In fact, Ontario has more than 180 companies directly linked to the nuclear supply chain, many of which are becoming global exporters of their technology, with arrangements in Argentina, Romania, South Korea, China, Pakistan, and India. And throughout the refurbishment process, the supply chain involved in the Bruce Power refurbishment operations will support 23,000 direct and indirect jobs each year in Ontario, representing an economic benefit of up to $6.3 billion annually. That's every single year in local improvements throughout the refurbishment time. This scale of economic impact is accomplished largely because of the type of nuclear technology involved in Bruce's refurbishment project. Namely, all nuclear facilities in Ontario are variants of the heavy water can-do design. And it is significant that more than 90% of the supply chain that supports this type of nuclear units is located right here in Ontario. So to that end, investing in nuclear refurbishment at Bruce Power represents a direct vote of confidence for companies and firms in Ontario. These companies represent the best and brightest of Ontario's booming technology sector. In fact, among the best, and in some cases, the best in the world. They're investing significantly in their local communities and employing thousands of highly skilled Ontario workers that give this province our competitive edge by building one of the cleanest energy systems in the world. I've twice had the pleasure of uh, visiting Cambridge's BWXT Canada Limited, Uh, formerly, some of you may know, called Babcock and Wilcox Canada Limited, Canada's largest manufacturer of commercial nuclear products and services. From its first involvement in nuclear power in the 1950s, the company has built a flourishing nuclear manufacturing and service capability, which today serves both pressurized water reactor and can-do markets internationally. Employing more than 500 people at its Cambridge operation, BWXT Canada will play an instrumental role in ensuring we remain on target to achieve our refurbishment plan, particularly with recent successes in global exports. Just last year, BWXT manufactured and delivered two 500-ton steam generators 
for a large nuclear plant in the U.S. They have also supplied key components for the Embalza refurbishment project in Argentina and the General Electric Katashi Nuclear Energy Facility in Peterborough has been operating safely as part of the local community for more than 50 years. The company specializes in ceramic pellets that are produced from natural uranium powder. <clears throat> its Toronto facility received natural uranium oxide powder from Chemical Corporation in Port Hope. After the pellets are pressed, baked, and ground to precision size, they are inspected and sent to the Peterborough facility, where they are placed into fuel bundles for can-do power stations. These pellets ultimately provide, believe it or not, 50% of Ontario's electricity. More than 350 people work for General Electric in high-tech industry positions. Chemicals, uranium conversion, and fuel manufacturing operation at Port Hope and Coburg plays a vital role in the supply of fuel for Ontario and the world's nuclear reactors. Cameco is the largest industrial employer in Port Hope and Northumberland County and the largest taxpayer in the municipality of Port Hope. Uranium dioxide powder from Cameco's Port Hope conversion facility is fabricated into fuel bundles at Cameco fuel manufacturing facilities in Port Hope and Coburg. Cameco employs about 660 people at their operations in Northumberland County. Those are just three of many similar examples across the province, including northern Ontario, eastern Ontario, everywhere. And Ontario's nuclear industry doesn't just power our communities, it plays an active role in them. For Ontario's nuclear sector, being a part of the community is about so much more than simply generating electricity. That is their history, that is their heritage, and that is what they do today. It's about being engaged community members supporting local organizations and initiatives, that help keep our communities strong and healthy. Bruce Power Generating Station is the largest employer in Bruce County with over 4,000 workers. It probably makes them one of the largest employers in Ontario. And its co-owners include OMERS, TransCanada, the Power Workers Union, the Society of Energy Professionals, and Bruce Power employees themselves. Very unique, very healthy, and we can be very, very proud of that type of partnership and that, that type of syndicate. The company has many programs dedicated to building up community, including Aboriginal relations, emergency preparedness, environment and sustainability, and physician recruitment, as well as assistance for young people, including scholarships for Aboriginal youth. And so while I can stand here and express to you the many virtues that Ontario's strong domestic nuclear industry brings to Ontario in terms of jobs, economic development, as well as clean, reliable, affordable power, the story ultimately comes down to the people it will impact on. It really is all about people. So I think we'll have a little video here. I started out as a, as a nuclear operator and I did that for 10 years and I had two kids. And after that I, I decided I needed a, a different challenge because two kids and a job wasn't enough. So I, uh, I went on the program and kind of followed in my dad's footsteps. He was an operator as well. The program was about three, four years, and uh, then I became the first female uh, authorized operator at uh, Bruce Power. I love my job because it has allowed me to um, excel at my career, 
and it has also allowed me the flexibility to raise a family. So I started out as a nuclear operator in any way along the road. I could have stopped and, and been happy, but the company allowed me to challenge myself and carry on and be number one in my job. I'd have to say the most challenging part of my job is the organization of people. On a daily basis we have probably 10 or 15 people working on your unit. You coordinate everybody, right? Like the control techs and the mechanics. You don't necessarily want them working in the same area of the station. And we've got to make sure that our operators go down and, and assist where they need to assist. So it's it's time management and coordination of rounds and routines. And, and we have pumps that need oil changes and we have pumps that need to have their valves checked and um, suction and discharge. So to me, the, the most challenging part is is that coordination and, and the people aspect. And I work with wonderful people, but it's just getting everybody where they need to be at the right time. Nuclear is an awesome, ever-expanding area to work. Tons of really well-paying jobs. I don't think people understand how well-paid we are. We have a very precise training and job skill set. It's important that people understand that we're safe, we get paid well, we know what we're doing, and, and there's careers, and careers that you can go as far as you want and, and I like to tell students that because it's important that they understand that nuclear is a, is a growing industry. Thank you to uh, Bruce Power for that inside look at their facility and thank you to Wendy uh, for those words. Um, nuclear power is and will continue to be an important part of our supply mix. Uh, it is part of our vision to build an energy system that will not only power our homes and businesses but will fuel a strong, vibrant economy. As the nuclear industry grows, we will continue to identify and pursue opportunities to build, innovate, and expand Ontario's nuclear sector safely, responsibly, with care, both domestically and more so now, as we're certainly as an industry more, more aggressive on it, in the international marketplace. And in a world where the challenges of climate change are now seen as a daily concern, we have uniquely positioned ourselves to succeed in the decades ahead because large and responsible countries across the globe are aggressively moving to nuclear as an affordable emissions-free option. When you look at China and India, the, uh, the level of uh, expansion of nuclear is, is almost off the scale. They know they're tired of making their people sick and they can't continue uh, and so they have aggressive programs, and that creates very significant opportunities for us. And as we share our domestic, domestic nuclear expertise and grow our global nuclear business, we will continue to support high-end jobs at home. We have the demonstrated talent, the professionalism, and the experience right here in Ontario. We are standing on the shoulders of Canadians who were world leaders at Atomic Energy of Canada, at Chalk River, at Pickering, Darlington, and Bruce in the can-do supply chain. And now we are growing our next generation of nuclear leaders and innovators for a better quality of life, sustainable economic growth, and a cleaner, healthier environment. Thank you very much. So you all know now that I'm Paul Bonifero, um, a board member at the Canadian Club and a partner at, um, lab at, in, in Labour and Employment at uh, McCarthy Tetro. Before I thank our minister, 
I want to make it clear to my friends from the Power Workers Union and the Society, professional engineers, that that draw was not fixed. <laughs> Pure luck. Um, Minister, on behalf of uh, the Canadian Club of Toronto and everyone here, I want to thank you for your detailed plan uh, that you shared with us today about the future of Ontario's energy system. You bring a very rich experience to making sure that we invest in sustainable, affordable and safe, uh, a safe system. While our province is energy rich, we all know that we can't take it for granted and the tremendous amount of work is needed to keep it operating optimally. Your commitment today, as demonstrated, has a, of making a positive impact on jobs and economic development for this generation and future ones is commendable. As you so eloquently uh, pointed out to us, we must also invest in advancing a system today that is environmentally sound, and this requires looking at very different models and options, and we thank you, Minister, for considering that today. Minister, we appreciate the detailed way in which you outline your plan for achieving balance. We wish you the best of luck in, provi in providing us uh, the leadership that is needed in attaining this role. The, uh, sorry, in attaining this goal. Thank you again, and uh, best of luck. Thank you, Paul, and I'd like to echo his, uh, his thanks. And I am, I do, there is comfort in, uh, in the minister's words. Obviously, we, we know there's the, the leadership and the vision for a secure, stable, and clean uh, uh, source of energy and power for our great province. And we also take comfort from the fact that, you know, although the Leafs may not win, the lights at the ACC will always, always <laughs> remain on. <laughs> the trick is if we could figure out a way to plug the Leafs right into whatever they're going to be doing at Bruce, maybe get them that direct jolt there to get them into the Stanley Cup. Before, before we close, I would like to take the opportunity to th again thank our sponsors, RBC Capital Markets, Scotiabank, and Union Gas for, of course, helping make our luncheon uh, possible today. As well, I would like to draw to your, your, to your attention the event survey on your table. I don't have a card with me, but we're always looking for uh, feedback and commentary from our guests on how we can make our programs even better and relevant to you. We're also grateful to Rogers TV and 680 News for their continued promotion of Canadian club events. And we would also like to thank MediaEvents.ca, Canada's online event space, and VVC for live streaming today's event. To learn more about the club, please visit us at CanadianClub.org. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you for your time. This meeting is now adjourned. <laughs>